Hey, what's up, guys? Happy, happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend and enjoyed the fight in Mexico. The big homecoming for Canelo Alvarez, who takes care of business against John Ryder, drop, drops him twice, busts up his nose, uh, bloodies his face up, dominates the fight. You'd be hard-pressed to give Ryder a round or two at, at, at best. Uh, it's a virtual shutout. However, it did go the distance. And uh, I did a preview video before, and I told you guys why, not just that it would possibly go the distance or that it had a good chance to go the distance, but why I felt that this fight had a very, very good chance to go uh, go rounds, go into the championship rounds, if not the distance. I told you to bet the over. Look, I've had the first, the, the last few, you know, that I've talked about, I've got pretty spot on. You got to give me that. Uh, a lot of you guys show up and criticize when I get one wrong, but you never show up when I get most of them right. All right, I'll stop with that. <laughs> anyway, uh, because this fight went the distance, there are people out there, you know, uh, every podcast this week, every post I've seen from the typical talking heads in the media are saying things like, uh, is Canelo Alvarez washed up? Is he uh, over as a top fighter, an elite level fighter? So those are the questions I'm seeing. And then also the narrative now is David Benavidez is going to murk Canelo. He's going to absolutely dominate him and, and beat him up and stop him if they fight. Therefore, Canelo is going to duck David Benavidez. That is the uh, narrative that I'm seeing being spun. So what I would say is, what do I always say? Pump the brakes. Some of you need to slow down. Go back and watch my preview video where I talked about styles I talked about Canelo coming off of nagging injuries and, and um, surgeries and recovery for those injuries. Also, big business down the line, whether it be a rematch with Dimitri Bevel or possibly a fight with Benavidez, maybe even Charlo or something. I, I, I don't know. Uh, he's definitely going to have one more big one before he calls it a day. And he wants to be 100%. He, he claims, Canelo does, that he was not 100% against Dimitri Bevel. And he doesn't want to make that mistake again. I do think they're going to do a rematch later this year, especially if it's at 168, Bevel will agree. If it's at 175, Bevel ain't going to do it. But if it's at 168, I think he'll do it. Um, and I think that what, if you're Canelo, why would you risk getting injured, busting your hand? Uh, you know, he's had issues with tendonitis and things like that. I know with the knee, I think the elbow, shoulder, stuff like that. Body's breaking down in a lot of ways. Um, you know, some might say it's kind of premature, you know, the way his body's breaking down. But then when you look at the fact that he's been fighting as a pro since he was a teenager, he's had over 60 pro fights. Uh, this is what tends to happen, especially when you go up and wait and you fight guys that are larger than you and you're sparring and training with larger guys. It takes a toll. So anyway, um, why would you want to go into a rematch with Bevel, particularly if it's at 168 where you're the undisputed champion, you're going to be giving up your undisputed championship if you lost. Why would you want to go in anything less than 100%? Why not go in there against Ryder and dominate the fight, do what you got to do, but don't take any stupid risks? Not that he feared, I think, Ryder beating him, but that he feared maybe getting injured. And I talked about that, and I, and I brought up the Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fight, which, if you remember, took place in 2017, just before his first fight with Gennady Golovkin. Now, look, I've thought about this. What were Canelo Alvarez's peak years, his peak years as a fighter? And I really feel, if you just look at the track record, that the late 2010s, up until about 2020, um, that was his peak. 
2018, even go 2019. Did he fight in 2020? Because that was the pandemic year. He did. He fought Callum Smith. And that, that fight actually went to distance. Um, but I really thought that specifically 2017 through 2019, to me, in my mind, that was a prime Canelo Alvarez. That was his absolute peak. Now, he did well 2021, 2022, cleaned out the super middleweight division, but that was a, a fairly weak division. And Canelo was just, in my opinion, just a little bit past his prime at that point, or just coming down off his prime, just coming down. Um, but now, look, his last couple of fights against a 40-year-old Gennady Golovkin, who he couldn't dent, he couldn't even put a dent in a 40-year-old Gennady Golovkin, who's basically semi-retired these last few years, and now goes the distance with John Ryder, I think it's very, very evident that Canelo is past his best. He has slipped a bit. Does that mean he's washed? No. Does that mean he's done being an elite-level fighter? No. I, I still think Canelo beats most of the guys from 160 to 168 right now, and, and even a lot of the guys at 175. I, I really, truly believe that. 175 isn't the strongest division in the world. It's very top-heavy. Same thing with 168. Um, say, same thing about 160, actually, uh, and the top guys don't fight each other. So um, after those you know, top two or three guys in each of those divisions, Canelo beats them all, and he beats some of the, the top two or three guys <clears throat> as well. So I, I still think that he's a top fighter. I don't want to, you know, get this twisted here. He's still a top fighter. And I would still call him an elite level fighter. But is he near the peak he was in those two Golovkin fights? I just don't think so. I really do think that, especially 2018 in that rematch, that was prime Canelo Alvarez right there. That was his absolute peak. So um, he's he's past that. But that doesn't mean that I would necessarily favor David Benavidez to beat him. Guys, David Benavidez's best win, his best win, was winning a decision against uh, Caleb Plant, where he, I can't remember if he dropped Caleb Plant or not. I honestly can't remember. But I do know that he busted him up pretty bad. In the last couple of rounds, it got rough in there. And, and you could have made a case for stopping the fight. I actually think that Canelo... You're beating John Ryder. I don't, is that a, I don't even think it's a top 10 win for Canelo. It, it might be, but it's definitely not a top five. Okay. Um, and he beat John Ryder, in my opinion, more decisively than David Benavidez beat Caleb Plant. Canelo also beat Caleb Plant and knocked him out. And I understand Caleb Plant won some early rounds against Canelo. Guys, that is a matter of styles. You can win some rounds against Canelo especially these bigger super middleweights and light heavyweights. You can win some rounds. Canelo's looking to uh, stalk you and counterpunch. And Caleb Plant did a good job early on of sticking and moving and maybe winning a couple of rounds there. But in the end, he got broken down and viciously stopped by Canelo. David Benavidez couldn't do that. Different styles, okay? But, but just hear me out. Does Caleb Plant right now Beat John Ryder. Let me ask you that. Now, some of you, your immediate response, particularly the, the unpaid interns, your immediate response is, oh, yeah, oh, Caleb Plant wins by knockout, third round knockout. That's the first, you know, you, slow down. Really think about this. Caleb Plant, 12-round fight. 
with John Ryder. What if it's in England where that crazy, passionate UK crowd is going to be pushing John Ryder to go harder? Does Caleb Plant hit harder than John Ryder? No. Does he take a punch better than John Ryder? No. Does he have the gas tank John Ryder has? No. He's more skilled. He's more athletic. Yes. He's more stylish in the way he fights. Yes. Can he maintain that for 12 rounds against a pressure-fighting southpaw with an iron jaw like John Ryder, who fought 10 rounds the other day uh, in Mexico in front of tens of thousands of screaming Mexican fans with a busted nose against Canelo Alvarez, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer once he retires? Guys, you may think I'm crazy for saying this. I, I, I might pick John Ryder to beat Caleb Plant right now. And I don't think that should be a controversial statement. Why do I bring that up? Because if we're comparing Canelo and Benavidez and their best wins and Canelo, again, beating Ryder, that's not even a top five win for him. I think Canelo's last two wins, beating a 40-year-old Gennady Golovkin and beating the brakes off John Ryder, who has never been more motivated for a fight in his life, those two wins are better than David Benavidez's best win. Now, None of that means anything in head-to-head. -head. I, I understand that. But for those of you who are just saying, oh, my God, David Benavidez is a scary fighter. He's the boogeyman. He would just brutalize Canelo Alvarez. I, I don't know. Slow down on that, okay? You're basing that off of him winning a, a, a decision, a dominant decision over Caleb Plant, who a year and a half prior was brutally stopped by Canelo Alvarez. So um, slow down. All that being said, I tweeted about this this weekend. Um, it is evident that Canelo has lost a step. He's not his peak in his peak years. And, and at some point, guys like Benavidez, guys even like Charlo maybe, maybe could beat him. And, 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 and Bivol already did. I do think Bivol will win a rematch. I think better Biev would brutalize him. I don't think that would be a smart fight for him. Um, but, yeah, it's going to happen. It, it's starting to happen. And I talked about this on Twitter this week, and I tweet about the fact that it, it feels like we're seeing a changing of the guard. And this is something that happens in all sports, uh, including boxing. I'm a lifelong boxing fan, like a lifelong boxing nerd. So I've seen several changing of the guards before. And it always looks a little bit different because um, the boxing universe changes. The fighters come from different parts of the world. Uh, the technology involved changes. Uh, the marketing, the way it's branded, the networks or streaming platforms now that it's featured on, all that kind of stuff changes. The face of it changes. But the story kind of stays the same. Out with the old and with the new, that's just how it works in life, not just in sports, right? So, so. I've seen this passing of the torch and this, this changing of the guard multiple times in multiple generations in my life as a boxing fan. And we're going through one right now. It's, it's very, very clear. Gennady Golovkin, Canelo Alvarez, Roman Gonzalez, Vasily Lomachenko. And I'm going to throw Terrence Crawford in there. And I threw his name in there on Twitter, and some of you guys didn't like that. Listen, I, I, you know what? I'm going to add another name to this too. Uh, Deontay Wilder. I'm going to throw him in there. Now, look, I'm not saying all of these guys are at the same level of depreciation and wear and tear. I, there are different levels, okay? I'm not going to say that they're all on the same level as fighters because they're clearly not. But 
uh, or popularity because they're clearly not, but they were the top names or the most popular names among them. Um, seen as the top fighters, pound for pound, some of them, the best champions. You know, it's a mixed bag. But what I'm saying, guys, is those are the names of the previous generation, right? And I'm trying to include Americans, non-Americans, big guys, small guys. And I could name other guys. I, I could throw more names in that hat. But just I think that little nucleus of fighters I just mentioned is pretty much the faces of this last generation. And they are past their best years. And I still say that with Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford, I think, is 36. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Maybe 35, 36. Um, and he started as a lightweight. You know, no, look, I still think he'll beat Errol Spence. They are actually finally going to fight later this year. Uh, and he'll beat Spence, and then he'll move up to 154. Charlo will vacate. So there'll be a bunch of vacant titles. They're making a, a deal with Heyman. It's probably going to be a three-fight deal or something. He'll end up fighting for a title at 154. He'll win a title there, maybe have a defense, and then retire. He's going to be retired in a few years. So is Canelo. So is Gennady. Uh, Deontay Wilder is one knockout away from potentially losing part of his brain. I mean, he's been brutalized in a lot of fights. And uh, depending on which way he goes, it could get real ugly for him real soon. These guys are all on their way out. Lomachenko, even if he turns back the clock and beats Devin Haney, and right now that's the next – fight talking about turning the page and changing of the guard that's the next symbolic fight coming up and that's what may 20 later this month so that's going to be very very symbolic um and it, we'll see what happens right but you have to at least on paper favor devin haney and throughout boxing history 99 of the time in these types of matchups the young man wins and top rank knows what they're doing with this kind of thing they've done it a million times but even if Lomachenko turns back the clock and beats Devin Haney, which would be a substantial win, that'd be huge because Devin Haney is a welterweight who somehow gets down to lightweight. And Lomachenko is a featherweight who fights above his weight because all the featherweights ducked him. And now he's old and just doesn't want to stress himself to make weight. If he wins, there's this other guy named Shakur Stevenson. And I'm sorry, Lomachenko fans, Loma ain't beating Shakur Stevenson. And that fight really wouldn't be relatively close. Prime Lomachenko against Shakur Stevenson, different story, which is goes back to my point. These guys are past their best years. It's a changing of the guard. New guys are coming up. Sticking uh, with my theme here and the symbolism, what, a couple weeks ago, we had Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. And I had to, like, have a coming to Jesus moment a little bit when I saw the success that that fight had on social, um, on pay-per-view and apparently did a million pay-per-view buys. Okay. I, I looked at that fight and I still look at it and I don't get it. I, I don't get why, why was this such a huge fight for young fans? It was huge because these fighters, particularly Ryan Garcia are very popular, very popular on social media and that's what made it big. It doesn't really matter that neither one of them has fought elite level opposition really until they just fought each other. And I wouldn't classify Ryan Garcia as an elite level fighter. I think we've seen the evidence of that. Uh, there are other fighters lower ranked than Garcia who did much better against Javante Davis than Ryan did. Although he was depleted at a catch weight rehydration clause, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I won't go down that road again. But Seeing how big that fight was made me realize, wow, dude, this is like the new generation. And 
I need to get with the times. The way fights are marketed now and the way guys are going to break ground now isn't by fighting the best opposition. It isn't fighting for legitimate world titles and, and the lineal titles and, and unifying belts and things that I want to see, right? As, as a, a guy who grew up as a child in the 80s and a teenager in the 90s. Um, what they're going, they're going to be success. Their success will be defined by their popularity. And it's always been that way in boxing to a degree, of course. But now it's different because of the advent of social media and the way that has taken over our lives, particularly TikTok. And Ryan Garcia was a is a TikTok superstar, right? So um, anyway, it just made me realize like, wow, I have to open my eyes to the way things have changed. And I have to, instead of always bitching and, and always saying, um, these guys aren't the most proven, which is true, um, I need to also acknowledge that their popularity breaks through their accomplishments. It transcends that. So Tank Davis can keep fighting B-level guys for WBA regular belts and stuff like that. I'd never fight guys like uh, Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson, Vasily Lomachenko, Regis Progray, Josh Taylor. He doesn't have to fight those guys. He just has to be popular and fight other guys that can make him more popular. Um, so that's where we're at. And, and Tank is the new face of American boxing. He's not the face of boxing. That is still Canelo Alvarez. But he's the new guy for the American boxing establishment. And you see everybody now, you know, grabbing a hold of his, his nuts um, as that happens. Um, it, but there's also other fighters that are going to be coming up. The new school is here. And so I, as, I, as I think about all this, you know, it, it's kind of, I think why this changing of the guard it feels bittersweet for me to see all this. And maybe because I'm just older, more mature now. I have a family now. Uh, things feel a little different. But also, I think about my peak years on the beat, which was the 2010s up through the early 2020s, but um, mostly in the 2010s, mid-2010s um, in Los Angeles, to the early 2020s here in Atlanta, but specifically those years in LA. Okay. Um, I was right there in LA during the rise of Triple G. And Triple G at that time was training in Big Bear, just outside of LA. But he uh, lived very, very close to LA in one of the beaches that, that's close by there. And um, he was always in town. Right there, there are media lunches and, and public workouts and pressers and stuff. So, he is always around. Canelo Alvarez lives in Mexico, yes, but trains in San Diego, Southern California, two-hour drive from LA. Same thing. Canelo's always in LA. There's always these pressers and stuff like that going on. Um, Sergey Kovalev was big. He trained out there. Uh, there's just a bunch of guys I can point to. Chocolatito. I covered a bunch of his fights. I covered for years, I covered every single Canelo Alvarez fight, ringside, every Triple G fight, ringside, every Chocolatito fight, ringside, names like that, that generation. I was on the beat. So it's not just me doing a podcast or whatever. I was at all these media events, okay? The media lunches, when the sanctioning organizations would have things, there were festivals and parades and all this stuff that they were involved in. I was around for all that. So these guys, you know, you develop a relationship. 
and they get to know you on a first name basis. And some of these guys, we talk personally and, and they know my wife and they know about my family and we, we converse, you know, uh, over text or over um, social media and stuff like that, DMs and stuff like that. You know, we follow each other and talk regularly. So I, I've built uh, a relationship with a, a lot of these guys. <clears throat> And, um, you know, the top elite level guys, and then there's mid-level guys and title holders and stuff that I could name. There's a bunch of them. You guys have seen some of these dudes be on my show and stuff in the recent years. So seeing these guys on the way out, some of them have already retired, actually, uh, in the last year or so. Seeing these guys on their way out and stuff, it is bittersweet because it coincides with, look, I... I I contributed to the Undisputed Champion Network. I've contributed to a bunch of platforms, but these three in particular I was most proud of. And this is where I really, really made, you know, a good living. I, I made good money. Um, and I worked with these reputable platforms. And that was my peak years on the beat. Undisputed Champion Network, Boxing Monthly Magazine, and The Ring Magazine. Now, sadly, all three of those platforms have dissolved. Undisputed Champion Network, the co-founder died and the other co-founder didn't want to keep going on. So that dissolved. Boxing Monthly Magazine over in the UK, uh, that dissolved during uh, the coronavirus pandemic. And The Ring Magazine, in its 100th year of existence late last year, the magazine ended print. Now, they still have a website, but it's kind of a skeleton crew running that site. Several guys were let go, not just me, uh, when the magazine ended last year. And so there was budget cuts and a complete restructuring over at Golden Boy and, and, and the Ring Magazine side of it. So um, those three entities are kind of no more, right? And I was a big part of all three of them, a big contributor to them, uh, at least in, in those years. Of course, you know, uh, Ring Magazine's been around for 100 years. I've only been around for a lot less than that. But um, those platforms went away at the same time this generation is winding down and this new generation's coming up. And the the way the sport is marketed and branded, you know, and my peak years on the beat, again, I go back to um, you know, the Canelo Golovkin fights. Those, those two, those two fights in 2017, 2018, those were the super fights of this last generation. And I understand that there are other big events and stuff, but guys, the two big super fights, global super fights, were Canelo Golovkin. And um, for, for a couple of years, there was a buildup, and everybody wanted to see those fights. And, and out in Los Angeles, everyone was talking about it. And LA is the media capital of the world, right? It, it's the entertainment business capital of the world. So uh, it just felt huge. And I was there for those fights. I, I covered both of them extensively for multiple platforms. I was doing radio shows, TV spots. I was doing all kinds of stuff, being involved. And my through my relationship with Golden Boy, I had access to Canelo. And I had had access to Golovkin just for a while because of my relationship with Tom Loeffler. But also, I developed a relationship with Abel Sanchez, Triple G, the whole Sanchez family, all those guys. So it was very, very special to be around all that and um, being around those big, big super fights, being there, being a part of it all. And also it was HBO, you know, it was the last years of HBO pay-per-view. HBO 
in my opinion, on a production standpoint, was the peak of boxing programming. And now it's gone. So HBO boxing's gone. Um, boxing is, is kind of on all these streaming apps now. And again, it's just changing the way this sport is marketed and branded. It's changing. Boxing's on TikTok. It's on Instagram. That is where a lot of promotion is taking place, particularly with the fighters themselves. Um, so things are just changing, changing in the guard in a lot of different ways. And just seeing all that coincide with each other, not just the fighters changing, but the platforms, the media, the way all of it's packaged. It, it's uh, it's very interesting to me and, and very, very bittersweet. It all coincides uh, with me starting my new family. Uh, it's just, it's been a very interesting time for me. Very, uh, I think the retrospective is the word, introspective. Um, but we are definitely seeing a changing of the guard. And I think that over the next year or two, 24 months or so, um, you're going to see the pound for pound list change dramatically. You're going to see half the guys in the pound for pound list, the most accomplished guys, haven't even fought yet this year. So some of these new guys like Gervonta Davis, do I think he has pound for pound accomplishments? No, but he's fought three times in the past year. So if you put him in your pound for pound list right now, just kind of by default, I ain't mad at you. I get it because these other guys haven't fought. Usyk hasn't fought. Crawford hasn't fought. Uh, a bunch of these other guys that are on the pound for pound list. So there are going to be new fresh faces coming in. If you got Haney's about to fight Lomachenko, if he beats Loma, Haney's on that pound for pound list especially with all those other guys not fighting. Uh, if Stevenson wins his next fight, boom, he's in there, right? So, so on and on I can go. Uh, anyway, that's where we're at. This is part This is part of the sport. It's as old a tradition in the sport of boxing as the sport itself. And I want to know you guys' thoughts on this, um, the changing of the guard, and what am I missing here? I think I've covered every single base and rambled here for almost half an hour, but hopefully I gave you guys something to think about um, because it is, it is interesting. Again, the last HBO super fight, think about this, the last HBO super fight, the last big pay-per-view that did like over a million buys and stuff on HBO were those Canelo Alvarez Gennady Golovkin fights. So as these two guys wind down and they were the two big faces, but there are other names, of course, you know, I, I mentioned Chocolatito and there are other names, but as these guys kind of wind down, it, it's just like, wow, that's that last HBO generation that's gone. And the new guys on the pound for pound list, the new stars of the sport, never fought on HBO, not even as prospects, right? They've been on streaming platforms and stuff their entire career. Uh, it's just a very different, I could say interesting time. And it's exciting in certain ways, particularly if you're a younger fan who's new to the sport and you don't really know any different. It feels strange and weird to a guy like me who's 43 years old and has seen things change dramatically. Uh, but I'm trying to level up and adjust to this um, and, and, and kind of own it. Okay. So, so give me some time and give me some credit for trying, <laughs> but um, it, 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 it's an interesting time in the sport. It, it's definitely a time like no other. And I just, my hope as a diehard boxing fan is that 
this new generation of fighters, particularly the American fighters, take over and, and grab the reins. Okay. I don't just pop into those spots by default. I want them to take those spots from the previous generation because that's the way it used to work. And so one example of that would be if Devin Haney decisively defeats Vasily Lomachenko, that is taking it from the previous generation. If you're the new guy, uh, that's what we need to see. We need to see more of that. Uh, so anyway, we'll see what happens. All right, guys, uh, until the next one, I'll see you at the fights.